0: First of all, I would like to thank Tim for his invitation, for coming here to give you a word of testimony. It's good to have a testimony, and I started off my life in Sainfield. I grew up, well I lived in Sainfield till I was six years of age. I attended the local primary school and I went to First Sainfield Presbyterian Church and Sunday school but when I was six years of age we moved to Newton Harge where my father worked and whenever we went to Newton Harge we attended the Salvation Army there and however two years later my parents separated and we were now a, a single family with my sister I have an older sister and myself and my mother. It wasn't easy in those days growing up in a single home. It wasn't so common. There was a lot of insecurities and you felt that you were a failure and there was no father figure, no male company. And I just, it wasn't easy, put it like that. But in the summer summer holidays and at the weekends we would have come up to my grandparents house and stayed. My grandfather was in the Salvation Army also and my grandfather was a great influence to me. He, um, he was the superintendent, the Sunday school superintendent in the Salvation Army and from time to time I would have went to meetings there and I would even have went on Sunday school outings with him and I can also say that from a young age that I knew I needed to be saved. But I I remember being in meetings where there was appeals, and I remember saying one time, I'm going to leave it till I'm 12. But I don't know why that was, but (laughs) friends, you don't do a deal with God that way. And I was 25 before I was saved. And the further you get down life's pathway, the more your sin brings you down. At the age of 16, I left school, couldn't wait to get left, And, but there was a lot of unemployment at that time, I um, I was actually on the, the dole for about 3 or 4 months and then I got a job, but it was around the same time that I was introduced to alcohol. And for the first couple of years, it wasn't that serious, but from, I would say, from I was 18 to 25, I was heavy into drinking. My weekends just involved socialising, going out to pubs and clubs. You would have got out on a Friday night, and you would get up on a Saturday morning, and you would have said, that's it, I'm finished with it. By lunchtime, you couldn't wait to get back again. The devil had the pull on you. And... So I lived this life till I was 25, but my grandmother that I went to stay with at the weekends, and she died in 1988, and my grandfather was left on his own, and I remember seeing him that, that day, and he, the tears rolled down his cheeks, and I'd never seen him cry in my life before, and I felt so sorry for him, and he says, Grandad, I'm going to come and live with you, and so I did, hmm. but it didn't stop the drinking. But in 1989, I got an invitation to go to a a mission in Cumber Baptist Church, and I didn't know where to go or not. It was out of my comfort zone. I knew what I would hear, but eventually I went, and I went on two or three occasions, but there was no conviction. But just after that then, I started going to church regularly on a Sunday, and it was August, the twentieth of August 1989, that I was at a an outreach from Cumber Baptist. It was in Ballygown, and there was a guy there giving us testimony. And he was he had a drink problem himself. I could relate to him. And even his marriage he was a married man and his marriage was virtually over. But the Lord stepped in and saved him. And that night I went home and I was under conviction, and I was at the point where I was broken, because I was—I knew that if I had died without Christ, I knew where I was going to be, because I had learned from a child that you needed to be saved. There was a the pastor of that church, the pastor Garrett, you called him, and it was about midnight that night that I went down, and he led me to the Lord. Amen. The verse that means a lot to me is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold all things become new. But just a week or two before I got saved I remember being in a pub one night in Seinfeld and I was having a a drink and it it just tasted terrible. And I says to the woman, I says, "That, that drink's off. She says, well I couldn't tell you because I don't drink. So she put she gave me another one and I just, I didn't even finish. I just got up and walked out in disgust. So that was the Lord, that was the Lord working in my heart. And he took the desire for the drink away. And I thank him tonight for that. So in 1990 then, my grandfather, whom I had meant to live with, he, had, he died in January of 1990 and I'd got saved in August of 89. So he lived to see his prayers answered. And I, I'm glad that he did. So from 1992, I attended Sainfield Baptist Church, where I attended for the last 28 years, up until last summer. In the mid-90s, I got involved with an outreach team. And we done different outreaches. We went around the 12th of July... Um different different uh, different places where there was you had opportunities like down at the King's Hall if there was something on a function and people coming in and out we were giving out tracks and it was it was a real blessing at that time, but that only happened for a couple of years and then it was just after that that i I would honestly say that my heart grew cold and I was still going to church, and I was just going through the motions. I wouldn't have stayed for the Lord's table or anything like that. It was just my heart was just cold. That's all I can say. Like I was, I was still going, but there was just that coldness of heart. But then, in two thousand, I met Ruth, my wife, and we started going out. And in 2008, we got married. I had asked her before, would she marry me, but (laughs) she she wouldn't give me a a definite answer. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, 2012, 11, and 14, we had the three children. But Benjamin was born in 2010, and three months after he was born, he, start, he stopped breathing on us one night and Ruth was in a frantic. I'm not going to tell you all the story. I'll, I'll leave it for her some night. She might be getting an opportunity to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll not steal her thunder. But <laughs> but um, Benjamin stopped breathing and all I could hear was phone for an ambulance. There was a, uh, it was more than that. I can't remember it all now. Your uh, your head's all over the place. So we, we got an ambulance. I took him to the hospital and She got home and then a couple of days later he was back in again. So but I I'm not but I'm just saying that this was the Lord I believe this was the Lord speaking to my heart. But unfortunately, my I was I didn't respond. So in twenty fifteen, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. She was diagnosed and within ten days she was dead. And, you know, your mother's the one person that you think you're going to have the longest. That's what I believe anyway. And it's not nice when it comes to an abrupt end. But this was the turning point in my life. This is when the Lord did speak and I heard his voice. In the Hebrews 12 and 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So it's good that if you, ha- you are saved and your, you're in a bygone meadow or you're backslidden, That the Lord still loves you. If you're here tonight and you've been saved. But you're in a bygone meadow. The Lord still loves you. And he's he's calling for you. And I just pray that tonight. That someone would even get the saving grace. To come back to their first love. Then the last year. Was a. A difficult year for, for us. For this time last year, Ruth was working in the COVID ward and she says to me, she says, I'm moving out. And I, th- I thought, and I'm going to have the three kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I sister, to her, I says, how long are you going for? Like a, are, you, are you away for three months or what? <laughs> She says, no, 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 but she didn't say how long or how short. <laughs> and, but I thank the Lord that he provided for us and that he undertook. And I don't know where we would have been without the Lord. We prayed the week before she left, and I was broken because it was a big responsibility, three young children. And I'm no spring chicken myself. <laughs> So I'd just like to close off by thanking the Lord for even leading us to this little fellowship. It's a lovely family, We place, everybody's very friendly to one another. And I just want to thank the Lord for leading us to this little place and for his goodness and for his hand upon us, even in these uncertain times. Thank you for listening.
1: Amen, that was lovely, uh, praise the Lord, and it just means that Ruth's going to have to share her testimony in the next few weeks, because um, Morris said that you're going to, so I I didn't ask you, Ruth Morris, actually, he's he's just already arranged it, so praise the Lord, and um, we'll work that out, amen, in God's time, praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't it lovely to hear the Lord working in a life, just over the years, how he pursues you know how he doesn't just let us go, and there's long suffering. You know we are hot, we're cold, we're indifferent, we're in rebellion, and yet there's the pursuit of the great shepherd. He he's always pursuing. You're here tonight. You've just listened to how God pursues after a man because of his great love for that man, and even though at times, and Morris is sure with us, you know he turns his back, he's cold or he's indifferent. Yet there's a shepherd that comes. And that shepherd that searched out Morris and has searched him out and has kept him is the same shepherd that's searching out you and going after you, not in any other way, but because of his great love for you. And friends, tonight, you know, if God is speaking to you, as Morris just experienced that conviction and God dealing, God speaks to us through circumstances. Things happen sometimes because God wants your attention. And He permits things to happen in our lives in order that we turn to Him. And when we do, you know, it is just like that father. You know, he was waiting for that prodigal son just to come up that road. He was waiting. He was long and provision was made. And friends tonight, you know, if you're in this place and you don't know the Lord or you're backslidden or you're cold in heart, you know, there is a shepherd. There is a father that waits for you to come back to Him. And as we sing that song often with arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It's just lovely to hear that testimony. See the grace of God in Morris's life and Ruth and the family, and we pray the Lord's blessing upon them. Continue to bless them and use them. Isn't it wonderful to hear what the Lord does in a life? It's such a precious thing. It really is. It's such a precious thing. You know, Morris said, Well, I'm no public speaker, but you know, you don't have to be a public speaker. You just have a life that's been touched by the power of God and you have something to say. You've all got something to say because it's so wonderful to hear it. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Morris, for sharing that with us tonight. And to God be the glory. Great things he's done and great things he's going to do. Praise the Lord. We're excited by what the Lord's doing in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord.